Podcast. Nick Hales is a Redskins partner, and Joshua Johnson is here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Um, but Mr. Bill Latin America 
I have to say that so I can say his last name right. Uh, scored just a little bit more than me, so uh, 0-1. Uh, looks, like looks like I'm in a tough division considering uh, the three of the – I think we're all three in the same division. We all scored over 300 points. So, uh, But, yeah, kind of a rough week for me fantasy-wise. I scored a lot of points but didn't uh, – didn't come out on the winning end uh, too much, but uh, hopefully we can turn that around. Oh, well, another year. Another New England running back, Nick. What, what are we What are we going to do with this Deion Lewis? How many How many waiver dollars should we really spend on Mr. Deion Lewis with LeGarrette Blunt coming back week two? I mean, we, we feel like it's the Shane Vereen role, but is he going to equal the production? Is it going to be more consistent? I mean, this is a veteran. This is not some rookie they pulled out of nowhere. This is a veteran, the guy that's been around. Belichick and Brady seem to really like him. But what, I mean, is it it's just a trap? Once again, is it just another Belichick trap? Oh, it's definitely a trap, in my opinion. I'm not spending $1 on the waiver wire to get this guy. I'll let somebody else pick him up, let him be somebody else's headache. I mean, did we not for, did we already forget about Jonas Gray's 200-yard four-touchdown game last year, and then he was never to be heard from again? Yeah, I'm going to see the veteran. He's the guy that's been around, but he's also been out of the league for the last two years. There's got to be a reason for that. So, yeah, I am not touching this guy. Oh, well, I very smartly picked him up before – Week one, I don't know if I can trade him for anything, but uh, uh, maybe maybe worth a shot. Uh, you know, if you're in a best ball league and you want to spend, you know, five to ten dollars on it, I can live with that. But uh, who exactly did you claim this week, Nick? Are still waiting for some waivers to come through? Uh, well, I am still waiting for some waivers to come through. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the big-time, the hot waiver pickups this week are guys that I already own, guys like Carlos Williams and David Johnson. You know, in some leagues I also have Mariota, uh, Austin Spurry and Jenkins and Heath Miller. So, really the only guy that I picked the replacement there, I picked up uh, Brandon Coleman, the receiver from the Saints. Uh, not a bad pickup there. Oh, I go on a little tangent in this weekend's question and answer. Look for that on Saturday, kind of about some people I picked up, and I yell about some kickers. I mean, seriously, Randy Bullock, you missed, you're the first person to miss an extra point from the new distance. Why are you, Why am I even rostering you? And I, I cannot – I still just have, like, nightmares of watching I, – and I needed a ton of points out of the Vikings defense and Blair Walsh, full disclosure – but did you see that first field goal attempt by Barrel Walsh? That was like wide right to like Oakland. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, kickers, damn the kickers. But anyway, a uh, couple guys out there IDP wise I like um, Jahali a day. I'm not sure if I spell him, saying his name right, but he's the kind of filling Marcus Gilchrist shoes over there in San Diego. He put up a Put up a decent stat line uh, with his newly anointed position. Uh, Will Hill, a guy who's been in some trouble with the league, is feeling that Elam shoes in Baltimore. He also looked very, very good. Um, of course, the Uni Manga, or excuse me, Uni Onga, filling in for John Beeson in New York, though he seemed to have some problems with pass protection. At least he was making a tackle after that. So, uh, um, and, you know, I saw a lot of people recommending Calvin Pryor. I'm very happy to say I own Calvin Pryor in most of my IDP league. And, yeah, no surprise. He was an absolute beast, and I knew that was going to happen. If people 
if your league was not drafting him, it's obviously not a very well-informed IDP league because he moved to strong safety, and he's just going to crush it every week. So that means I can have a little time for Landon Collins to develop. But, uh, yeah, he's going to crush it every week. So, like I said, Burgundy's going to be joining us here in about in just a couple minutes. Um, I got a dynasty depth charger for you, and um, I got a little preoccupied um, singing on Burgundy's clip there. So I don't have my dynasty depth charger clip, Nick. I'm sorry. I need to find the exact uh, death metal modification for that. Uh, but uh, I want to talk about Zach Brown, another guy that's probably on the waiver wire. Um, in the middle – Inside linebacker for Tennessee, former 2012 second-round pick out of North Carolina. Uh, produced back-to-back 80 tackle campaigns in 2012 and 2013. Uh, missed basically all of last year. I think like the eighth play of the season last year, he tore a pectoral muscle. Um, so people maybe have kind of forgot about him. Now he steps back into this 3-4 scheme with uh, stud Avery, Avery Williamson right next to him. And, um, you know, Brown, you know, he, I think he made a triumphant return, made six, made six tackles, six, excuse me, six tackles opening weekend versus Tampa Bay. Um, re- basically regained his starting role, took it away from veteran uh, Wesley Woodyard. But, you know, with him and Williamson in the middle, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're an IDP guy, you know about Avery Williamson. He's just, he's a guy that's going to make a whole bunch of tackles. And I think that arguably be, arguably they have a, couple, a pair of, a pair of really good young inside linebackers, maybe one of the better pairs in the league. And it's certainly certainly worth noting as this team is in the rebuilding process and something to build on there. And Zach Brown, a guy with with experience, you know, a guy that's not going to take a few games to develop. It's going to certainly help your IDP team out. Um, despite winning week one, I feel also feel that Tennessee is going to certainly have some bumps ahead of them. And uh, Brown's going to make a whole lot of tackles as he's, trying to attempt to stop the run as teams with leads against them are going to be uh, trying to run the ball, run the clock and run the ball down their throat. It's uh, Zach Brown, another guy I already owned, picked him up in the startup midsummer because I do so much research here because Sean and Bill and Dan and everybody just make, just really put me to the test. And I, I, I came out with Zach Brown out of a draft and I'm pretty happy about it. But anyway, we have the birthday boy on the phone, Mr. Dan Burgundy Hines. Some people call him the Ramblin' Man. Dear Burgundy. Happy birthday. <laughs> That's right, Dan. I got I got together with my friend Marilyn this morning. That was awful singing by me. I mean, she wasn't very good either, but that was terrible. That's like the third time I listened to it, and I was like, wow, it gets worse every single time. And I promise to never play it again. Uh, Man, my my me. Facebook wall has just been plastered with abuse this morning. Plastered <laughs> with abuse. I've never seen anything oh. like it before. I'm I'm all for wishing a Facebook birthday, but I'm like, what did I do to these <laughs> Uh, oh, thanks, man. Well, that was great. Although it wasn't visual, I'm very happy to uh, plaster you audio-wise. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> happy, happy birthday, Dan, and, th- and thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Oh, oh, thanks. Always good to have you on as you 
turn 29 years old again, or whatever it is. Again. Um, Again, it doesn't matter. Um, Well, we had you stop by today because you, you know, you're one of our our senior senior writers. Sorry to really make you feel old on your birthday. One of the more informed (laughs) dynasty people, a lot of of experience, we'll say. And we just kind of wanted to get your opinion on on what dynasty owners should be doing early on here in the season to to make sure their squad's got a bright future. What what should we be doing? Sure. Sure. Well, I I didn't give this a lot of thought. I just really thought like, well, what am I, you know, what am I doing this time of year? Um I love this time of year. We all love this time of year. Um one of the things I think most of my cohorts in this industry will agree with, especially those that have anywhere from four and up fantasy teams don't enjoy, but is a vital part of any success this year and future success is that waiver wire rush, right? I mean, this is, this is the time where, I mean, you got to put in, I mean, tonight, tonight's when they're going to start processing for most, most, league. So, I mean, there are guys like Deion Lewis and Daniel Fells and, um, you know, Rashid, Rashad Green. And, uh, and I mean, these are deep guys. You know, these are guys like in my league where there's nothing else. And these guys are still kind of going to be hot commodities. There's even better guys that are just sitting on that waiver wire and in other leagues. And, and it's imperative to go out and try to get these guys. Absolutely imperative to help your team. Um, so like take, uh, Dion Lewis, for instance, um, you can make a whole segment out of this guy alone in terms of what you could do, what you should do, uh, maybe what you shouldn't do. Um, you know, Dion Lewis was a late, late grab for me. Um, I caught a tweet from one of their insiders that basically said, this guy's locked in, you know, he's locked in as the pass catcher and, you know, and the guy. And and I just happened about three or four days before the season starts to go, and I snatched him up on every single team I have, except 36 because the waivers were shut down that final week for some reason. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and But he would have been on my team. And there will be a mad dash for him, you know, as waivers process here in a bit. But um, – you know, here's a guy who potentially can fill that Chamberlain role. We all have been waiting for it. Is it going to be James White? Is it going to be Cadet? Well, it's looking like it's probably going to be neither, you know, or it could be all of them. This is where it gets fun. You know, this is where you need to determine what Dion Lewis really is, right? What is he to your team? Is he a running back two flex guy who's going to catch 60-plus balls in a Shane Vereen role this year and use something you want to hold on to? Or are you not sipping the Kool-Aid but someone else is? So what is Deion Lewis worth right now? And so seeing those types of spikes and unexpected value in players is a real opportunity for active and thoughtful, you know, dynasty owners to get something else trade, move, you know, um, I tried getting, um, my DFW 48 team won both games this year or this week, but my tight end position just sucks right now. Like I'm stuck with, uh, Josh Hill and Colby Fleener and, uh, 
Owen, Owen Daniels right now. I think all combined, I got five points out of those three guys, you know, and fortunately guys like Forsett and Carlos Hyde and, you know, <laughs> bailed me out this week, but, uh, or not Forsett, Forte, um, and Hyde bailed me out this week. And, you know, so I'm looking at them. I got Dion Lewis. I got, you know, a tight end. You know, maybe someone else is going to believe in him. I haven't been able to make it work yet, but in that week, i got to get a tight end. I have to. I have a very competitive team and a chance to be legit. I can't afford to just sit and wait and hope that one of these guys is going to actually score some points one of these weeks and then hopefully have the right one in there. You know, I have no idea where to go from this. So I just know I need a more sure thing, a more, you know, a more real tight end option. And so taking a guy like Deion Lewis and who now has inflated value at the position, I can go maybe get a cheap upgrade somewhere um, at a running back position, which is always just dreadful, you know, for a lot of people. So Deion Lewis is, you know, so doing things like that. Um, and then also just scrout, you know, scrounging that waiver wire. If it's a first-come, first-serve, you know, just do your homework. If it's a bidding situation, you got a whole other factor in there. you got to do your homework, and you got to try to get strategic and figure out how much do I want on this guy? How good is my team? Is he necessary? Do I really believe in this guy? Is he someone who's going to care, you know, be on my team all year long, and I'm going to go all in on this thing? Or is it somebody who isn't that critical, could be replaced, and I better save my money for a few weeks down the road when, you know, even more injuries are happening and my team's even thinner and we get our real breakout guy. So it really is a guessing game. Uh, but you can factor in all those equations. You can look at the history of the Patriots organization and how they use running backs. You can look at last year alone and you can not feel good about Deion Lewis being you know, a consistent pass-catching option. I mean, hell, even Vereen in his best years wasn't that consistent. You know, the guy had plenty of down weeks during his best runs. So, at best, we're looking at a flex play, you know. So, he's a guy that I think you could move and capitalize on, you know, getting him free off waivers last week or this week. Um, things like that. That's what's going to separate you. Seeing where your team holes are, um, not overreacting. Sorry, I'm getting a beep there. Uh, not overreacting to week one is important. Like, you know, Jameis Winston isn't the worst quarterback in the history of the league, and Marcus Mariota isn't the best quarterback in the history of the league. Definitely need to reassess everything in that equation, but there's no reason to freak out, right? Like, owners starting Mariota next week are almost guaranteed for a letdown in expectations based on week one. So you got to kind of got to be careful and temper expectations as well with some of those guys. So, but that's really it. Waiver wires, flipping players that you don't believe in that are performing well, buying players that aren't performing well that you do believe in and are just down on, like Sammy Watkins. Great time to buy an elite wide receiver. Guy didn't get one target. I'm not even saying the guy will have a great year this year. Him and Tyrod just might not, you know, see out of 
Sorry. Apparently everybody That's wants okay. to call me right now. Um, <laughs> it is my birthday. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Sammy Watkins. You know, I mean, the guy is an elite wide receiver. Whether he actually ever gets an elite quarterback or not is still the question, or whether him and Tyrod Taylor or whoever's in there ever really connect is the question, or whether he moves on from Buffalo. I mean, he could be the next Larry Fitzgerald, who's just an absolute elite talent but gets shoved in a shitty quarterback situation every single year. But the investment is worth it, especially right now. There's going to be some Sammy owners that have just been sitting on him all year long, just biding their time, like hoping for him to break out, and the guy doesn't get one goddamn target. Screw this. I don't want to deal with him. F this guy. I don't, you know, and the next thing you know, you're getting him for Martellus Bennett, you know, and it's like <laughs> you just landed an elite wide receiver for nothing and, and, and gave up a replaceable. I mean, Martellus Bennett's solid, but, you know, comparably speaking, upside-wise, these two aren't even in the same conversation. And, you know, it might be a risk, but it's such a low risk. Those are the things you can kind of capitalize on the other side of it, as well as, you know, selling those inflated guys, like Tyler Eifert, right? I mean, we all know he could be an elite tight end. It's Cincinnati, for God's sake. It's Andy Dalton, all right? There's still a guy named AJ Green on that roster. And they played Oakland. Everybody calmed <laughs> down on Tyler Eifert. The guy sucked ass. Yeah, he's been injured, but he's not going to put up 30 every week. He is not Gronk. You want to talk about the next Gronk? We can have that conversation about Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to have that conversation with anybody about Tyler Eifert until I see 8 to 10 weeks of production because that offense is not meant to have anyone other than A.J. Green have any sort of elite fantasy value long-term. So if you are a huge, even if you're a huge believer in Eifert, you know, it's tough to buy him right now, but it's a great time to sell him. So, you know, that's awesome. Um, I know Melvistead, Jeff, my co-owner and buddy, uh, he's doing the dynasty stock market and he does it as good as anybody, probably better than anybody. He has an awesome conservative hard line approach to player value. Very rational thinker, very even keel guy, not a super aggressive guy, just very stay the course. It all balances out in the end. You can't be jumping from player to player every couple weeks, making 70,000 trades, right? He's very more like just, hey, it's all going to come out in the wash. The average is going to average out across the season. And uh, he is awesome at gauging those stock market values. And it's why we like him writing that, uh, that uh, article. So checking that out. Absolutely invaluable article this time of year. Waiver wire article, stock market article, do your homework, buy low, sell high. Happy birthday to me. Yep. And, yeah. And both those articles came out today. You got, you got Bill Servey right in the waiver wire. I mean, talk about a heavyweight. And then, then yep. like you said, the rational, the rational Melbastead doing, doing the stock market. I, I read both of those this morning and yeah, they, they knocked him out of the park. I mean, we're, yeah, you'll never be able. We divvy up those type of articles. Yeah, I've read, I've read probably fifty stock market articles of Jeff Melvisted's, and I don't think I've ever been able to argue with his logic one time. 
I mean, that's that's how solid it is. Even if I disagree on his take, right, like on the player, his logic mm-hmm. is always spot on. I've never been able to disagree with him. So, must read. And I'm sorry, could you, could you tell us about your tight end problem again in DFW 48? Who are your tight ends? Oh, my God, it's awful. Fleener. Josh Hill, Fleener, and... Uh, uh, Owen Daniel Sue, I thought I was being brilliant on because I saw him going to Denver the second Kubiak was signed as their head coach. And, I mean, I'm not writing him off. The thing that sucks is man, that old line is just terrible. And Manning is, a, is still just an absolute shell of himself. That's going to be a long season for Manning owners, of which I have him, I think, on at least three teams of mine. You know, I'm going to be rolling with Palmer and DFW 48 until I see a lot out of that offense. But that offense line is terrible. Manning's arm is a freaking – is just – it's horrible. It's it's not as bad as it would be with a good offensive line. I think he could make it work, and I think he'd be flirting with top ten numbers. But if they don't get their running game going, ugh, it's going to be ugly. Well, I can. I think I can do you one better. Sixteen team league. My current my current tight ends are Ben Watson and Mercedes Lewis. Drafted uh, Jay Samaro and Julius Thomas, and well, you I've got been through coming, a couple, man. a couple, a couple other boneheads. And and I see, and besides that, I think I have four tight ends now on the IR in that league too. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> you still have bad JT, that situ- Oh yeah. Yeah, so so you'll be all right. I mean, I look at that Jacksonville situation the same way I look at that Tampa Bay situation, and it's the same reason I pulled uh, uh, Owen Daniels for Austin Safarian Jenkins at the very last minute in one of my leagues, thank God. Um, And it's just, I mean, Mike Evans being out definitely was the final say, but it was just, I just see him being such a valuable over the middle, big dump off safety blanket to what is a very, very poor to below average quarterback still struggling in this league. And that's Blake Bortles. And I just, I I think he's going to be the guy to own in that offense once he comes back. So you're, you're okay. Well, I hope so. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. It's, uh, I yeah, kind of tied to Amaro in a couple other leagues too, but that's what I get for having faith in a Jets offensive player. Um, uh, yeah, but anyway, do you want to? I got I got Bruce on the line. You want to stick around and say hi to Uncle Bruce? What? I didn't get. I that. got I got I got Bruce on the line. I think I said the wrong name. I got Bruce Kimbrough on the line. Can you stick around and oh. and chit chat with Bruce too? I, I have a subway register emergency oh. beeping in on my other line. That was the All phone right. call. So I got to run, Brucey, right. but uh, he'll treat you nice to have Bruce on, IDP mastermind. All right. Yes. All right. All right. Happy Later, birthday, bud. Take care. Thanks. All right. Well, that was the birthday boy. And now we're going to move seamlessly to another – I mean, we just have the greatest staff here at DFW. I mean, you just can't beat it. I mean, Bruce Kimbrough, IDP, mastermind, as, as Dan just called him. 
and the Mock Draft Monarch. Bruce, what's up, buddy? Hey, not much. How you guys doing? Good. You, I thought I thought the pub crawl was still going on. You sound somewhat coherent yeah. there at 2 <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon in New York City. Uh, no, not right now. I had to put it on uh, uh, hold right for today. We're uh, we're uh, regrouping, and, and another uh, round of some friends are going to come in. Our uh, my wife and uh, my friends from uh, uh, Virginia, so they're going to sh- come uh, in tomorrow. And so, getting everything cleaned up, restock refrigerators, and get ready to go for the for a hard weekend here. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. Um, I'm sure most of you people out there in DFW land know who Bruce is, but if you don't and you're not involved in our mock drafts during the off season, this is the man you need to talk to. Um, I mean, you, I call you the mock draft monarch. Um, and you've also been uh, very good to me since we've been brought over DFW. So thank you for all that. So um, every, every now and then Bruce just calls me on my lunch break and we just catch up. And uh, I feel like, I feel like you're the cool older brother I never had. I'm not calling you old. Uh, but uh, thank you for thank you for being there for me and help and helping me along the way and thank you so much for uh, getting me prepared with I don't know I think I got I think I got over forty mocks this year with you that that was that was a lot of fun oh yeah they were they, they were great fun I just I started that because uh, when I got into fantasy years ago I ended up Greg Kellogg got me into IDP I was in this chat room going along and, and people had heard the stories for us real quick and. Uh, I was there always asking questions, answering questions. I started answering questions in the chat room, and pretty soon it was like the third the third game of IDP season, and, and uh, he's texting me in a private chat in the chat room, do you want to take over a team? I said, yeah, I never played before, but sure enough. And that's where it all started off with me and IDP. And then I got to be friends. I was on uh, Joe Everett's show, listening to him a lot when he used to do it, uh, um, uh, and he has his own website. And so uh, the IDP uh, uh, uh Anyway, it was an all-IDP show. And so I got into a league of his also. Then all of a sudden I got on a show. We were doing shows together. And uh, then uh, along the way, too, I became really good friends with Jim Day, as everybody knows, Fantasy Taz. And and we talk all the time, me and him, back and forth. And then I'm running one of the athletes that he had that he got me involved in. And so it just took off. And he used to do all these mock drafts. And this year he was... He has had uh, some family problems, some other things going on, so he just said, I can't do it this year, Bruce. So I said, do you mind if I jump in and do it? And he said, go for it. So I went for it, and somewhere over 200 that I was in between different sites and the, my own that I was firing up, uh, I didn't realize how many were there until they all started popping up uh, the, uh, what the scores were, the final scores, and they all started ranking up. And I had like seven pages in Gmail of just the – the, the final scores, I go, oh my lord! So, but anyway, they were all fun and had a great time. And anybody who wanted to get in to get in, and it went real well. Uh, and it really does. People go, what do you do a mock for then? But you know what? You start in early with the rookies before the, the season starts, like we did. And then we had the then we had the NFL draft, and then that goes goes along. And then you know those players already before they come in the draft. You might not have a big handle on, so don't be afraid to get in there on that and just look up a few things on them and and and, and play some where you want to play some or ask the people or, or email me. I'll give you a list, my list and stuff because I do mm-hmm. a top twenty-five and even more. I, I have more ranks. I had a hundred and fifty-seven to two hundred something. But anyway, uh, I'll share with you uh, in the early season. You got to buy it once you know, the season starts because that's the way it works. But uh, 
we started going along, and people really – you could see how people were growing with it, you know, and getting better and, and picking their picks, you know, and, and so on. And uh, like I said, it was it was a lot of fun, and then being hooked up with BFW, uh, that was a, the best I've written for a couple of sites. I've done my own blogs and stuff like that. But like you said, this is really a great group of guys. Everybody's nice. Nobody's sniping on each other. Nobody's backstabbing or one thing or another, and you know how those things go and stuff. And petty little stuff. And like you said, I'm I'm like your older brother, but I probably could be your father because I am 63. So, <laughs> but I act younger. I act a lot younger than I am. So, but uh, that's who I am. And like next year, if anybody wants to get in, it's uh, you know just uh, through the site or follow me at fatcat52 on Twitter. And you'll see them start to come up, and I'll uh, send out the invites for next year and who wants to get in. So, Yeah, and they're just you just have such a great sense of player value and how it's shifting and where it's going. And, and you know, the guys at uh, MFL really do, good, do a good job, you know, month to month, you know, shifting players and, and, and how, how people are viewing them and stuff. It's just You just have such a great sense of player value when you do it. All off season, you just you just know you know who's changing, you know who's on who's on what team, and you know who's signed there. It's yeah, it's, it's good fun. So, uh, Nick, Nick, I know you've been awful quiet over there. Do you have any have any questions for Bruce before before we drill him with some hard questions? I guess we hear uh, well, the first one. One thing that I really enjoy doing uh, a bunch of the mock drafts with you is, you know, after you get a handful of uh, drafts and you notice yourself taking the same player over and over, you ever sometimes purposely, like, I'm not going to take this guy just to see where he's going to go to see what his value actually is if I'm overvaluing him? Uh, yeah, I do somewhat, but I have my guys uh, early. Well, like, um, Josh was saying, I, I don't go with the norm of what a lot of people think or one thing or another. You know, I look at everybody's rankings and how people rank things, and I, then I make my own mind up. And then this year I, I watched a lot more films, especially on the rookies, than I've ever done. So, And I'm going to do a lot more this, this next year because I don't really watch college football, but now I'm really going to get in and start watching films because time the NFL comes and watching college and doing that, and then my family life is is uh, pretty full. So uh, it, it, it's really time-consuming, you know. So it's better to go back and watch the films and, and, and get your own judgment. But what I do, once I like a guy, I'll keep pushing him and pushing him. And sometimes, you know, I'm pushing the ADP, obviously, as we go along. And like Andrew Anderson and Oli Digazua, uh, he's still there. And, and, and uh, uh, JPP, who knows if he's even going to play this year. I've had, I got him on a couple teams. But, and right now he had the other surgery, so I'm just going to So Oli Digazua is going to pop his head up here somewhere in the next few weeks, I think, and uh, uh, get his feet on the ground, and uh, he'll do well. But Andrew Anderson... Uh, he got a chance to the defensive tackle there in uh, um, Indiana got hurt, so they threw him in. He can play anywhere across the front there, and he and he showed uh, how well he can play. Uh, but as far as reaching for a player, I well, well, I reach for players when I get in the draft with Josh and you and Jim and Joe, and I start drafting that I know that who they want, who they like, and I like them so. We have to start reaching sometimes in these things that we push ADP up to this because we, we know if we want the guy on our team, we're going to have to pay for him uh, uh, on that respect. I, I think I feel like I personally raised the ADP of uh, Charles Sims. You know, like round eight or nine, I was grabbing him just because I was filtering just by running back. Go, oh, I need a third or fourth running back here. I know Sims is going to be good and he's PPR and then, 
And then, like Nick said, I just kind of left in there once. I think I picked him up in, like, round 18. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing drafting him so early <laughs> all these yeah. times? And I, especially if, if Mike if Mike Krasick wasn't in there, I knew I could get, I knew I could get him late. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just kind of funny. You just catch up, catch those little things here and there. So um, yeah. what – is there any – and I guess you kind of already answered our first question here, Bruce, but is there any more things that you want to speak about on just kind of the art of the mock? And like, like Nick said, and I know Bill Servey said it a few weeks ago too, it's really fun to just try different strategies. You know, like when Bill said he always waits on a quarterback in the, like these 30 round IDP startup box. Cause you can get a decent guy, you know, after round 10. And, uh, and I tried that strategy after he did that. And he was right. You know, there's before the whole Brady suspension thing was lifted, I think I got Brady and Eli. I know Eli had a crappy game Monday night, but that's another story. I got Brady and Eli like 11th and 12th round. I mean, it's, it's, it's just weird how that, how that plays out. Is, is there any, any more that you would like to say just kind of about the art of the mock? First of all, I want to thank Nick for, for filling in for uh, Smash Mouth. And, uh, Nick, I was going to call you, too, and give you some kind of – uh, the ambiance of the, uh, the league and how it does because the safety you, you only need to play one safety like you're doing, and 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 you don't need to add a bunch of safeties and get your highest draft pick kind of screen safeties and defensive back to be a quarterback one there. And so anyway, I really, we really appreciate that. And that's a good league. There, uh, people are, uh, love to play. It's a short roster, so there's always people on the waiver wire and it keeps you moving on that one. <clears throat> and, and second of all, yes, uh, your nemesis, uh, Josh, is Bill. So he's always on one side or another. He's got you guys out there. But, uh, yeah, and one other thing I want to say is, and like you just said with Eli, or, or defensive players or any of these players that, that are your studs, don't throw the, the bathwater out with the baby because the first week. The first three weeks are actually the most fun three or four weeks because that's when you as a fantasy owner, either offensive or IDP side, is when you stay your ground and you got that player and then other people start throwing out the baby, then you start grabbing the baby and putting him on your team and he comes up and becoming a stud. So uh, don't, don't get crazy here now. And this is the time when you got to pick these players up uh, 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 that people drop and they don't think they're any good. Uh, my daughter, she plays the league for example, day. Then some girl dropped a, uh, Evans off her list because he was questionable and drafted some and picked up some guy from – from some team I've never even heard of. <laughs> it's just that's it, but that's a, in a girl's leg one thing or another. But in guys' leg, guys get nervous and and guys. So the season players, and now that you've been drafting to all uh, these mocks, you know th- these guys are stable. Th- they're going to come along and they're going to play. First few weeks are getting a few, you know, like Adrian Peterson. He's not great down uh, game ready. And I noticed in all the games, I don't know if you guys noticed it too this weekend. I was watching. It seemed like all the teams that killed all those teams in, in a preseason, they turned up. To, to stink it up uh, between uh, uh, Peyton Manning and, and uh, uh, Andrew Luck and all the other teams that just were firing all cylinders in preseason came across. And what I think, too, is playing football my whole life, and I was linebacker through college and high school and started four years and went to college and played San Francisco and played college ball and everything as a linebacker. You had to put on the pads a certain amount of time, or otherwise you weren't ready for the first game. And so now – all these, uh, uh, the unions now is cut them loose. They only got a pad up this time and that time. So they're really, I think, really, by the time the third game starts, that's when they're finally getting in shape and everything's clicking on that part. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I know in one of my leagues, somebody, draft, somebody dropped Bishop Sankey before week one. 
and I know that's maybe a bad example because we'll talk about him later. I don't know how I don't know how we expect him to do the rest of the year, but you know. And then somebody picked somebody spent a hundred dollars on on him in waivers. Somebody spent ten percent of their waiver budget on him in waivers today. I mean, it's just that's just how it, how it goes week to week. You can't you can't be uh, too uh, too trigger happy, especially especially early on, early on like you said. Uh, now, Bruce, we talked about the the waiver wire article that built this earlier. Uh, but Bruce does the IDP waiver wire, and you said something to me in one of our phone conversations. I know this is part of this is part of working working for a great site, but you're going to have to give up some really good information here. Bruce. You talked about how you stay ahead, you kind of stay a week ahead on your IDP waiver wire. How, how exactly can we do that? Just, I mean, other than just by reading reading your stuff. Well, the way I do it, and, and here we go again. And like Nick said, I got to you got to kind of reach and put yourself out there. If you read some of the other people's waiver wires this week, I mean, they're all pretty much the same. You read mine, it's like a book. I, I, I don't do two or three players, if you've noticed. Uh, the, you'll see me in the first three or four weeks. It, it is a novel, and I keep talking about players and holding them or, or waiting for them, and then next week I'll tell you to hold them, fold them. Even though they might not kick it out this week, just hold on a minute. We're going to get there. Because I, I, I do a ton of research on stats. Uh, how many plays they get, whether they get pulled out, if they get pulled out in sub-packages or not, or where, or where the forte is, like if they're, if they're uh, a nose tackle and they're in all the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the running plays, hey, that's fine with me. That's where they're going to get their points anyway because that big old uh, nose tackle, a defensive tackle, more than likely most of them are, are, are not going to get a sack of the quarterback. They're going to they're gonna get theirs every once in a while. They'll pick one up, but they'll get theirs in tackles. So, uh, when you start a DT or, or NT. And so what I do once I get through it, I see the changes, too, as the season goes along here. Especially that's when this few weeks, everybody can do waiver wires almost, you know. But you got to start, then the next few weeks, you got to start really reading behind the pages and seeing that the snap counts are starting to change on these people. And if one player is starting to be favored by the coaches. And so when I, I can see stuff, the leaves turning in the fall, you should say, I see that coming, so I go ahead and put him up there and tell everybody, you know, if I'm real sure of it, I'll tell you, grab this guy now or or, or, or don't, like um, uh, different players. And so you you just you have to do your homework, really. And I, I put the time in, so just read what I've, I've put down, and uh, uh, you, can, you can't take it to the bank, but I, I've, I've got guys two to three weeks a lot of times ahead of what other people put them up. And they've got the obvious ones that made the tackles and, and one thing or another. So, uh, if, and sometimes I stink it up. I mean, it, it happens, but it, that's just the way the ball goes. Uh, Nick, Nick, any other questions there for Bruce? Well, since you're an IDP guy, I wanted to get your take on the strategy I have with the Eagles. In, uh, in cornerback-required leagues, I am really high on uh, Byron Maxwell and Nolan Carroll just because that Eagles defense is on the field so much, and those corners, they're not shut down guys. They're going to give up a lot of receptions, so then they have to make a tackle. Do you agree that they're pretty solid in cornerback-required leagues? <laughs> yeah, Nick, you, you just brought up an excellent point right here. You've got a really excellent point. You – it's like the Buffalo Bills, as you guys know. You guys have been playing IDP for a few years. And uh, Buffalo Bills, all the players for the last three or four years or before that, five years ago, they were like money for everybody in the bank because everybody's throwing against them and they were getting all the balls. They were constantly on the field and was, had no offense. So they were like they were money makers as far as that at IDP side. And I see the same thing, too, especially in the first game that we saw here uh, uh, being played, uh, uh, that you got Thurman, you got Jenkins out there, who I love, Malcolm Jenkins and Maxwell. 
They're going to be throwing. Everybody loves to throw a Maxwell. Everybody does. And that's what you want. You don't want the shutdown guy like Rebus out there that, that's got the island and got it all got shut down and got the wall up and nobody throws to him. You want the guys that they're going to take a chance on people love to throw at. And then, then you love that strong safety that's coming up in the box there like that. And watch out, watch your strong safety out there because just don't look at the F there. I, I think I want to start doing that and highlighting that more is the strong safety, free safety part of it. And then even you got sometimes you got the cornerback that comes up into the box and they make him a, like a like a, uh, uh, like a fifth linebacker or a linebacker up there in the box. And so he ends up, if, once it gets through the linebackers or gets, you know, the defensive line, then he steps up and has got certain coverage that he, he is and runs. And so he's uh, getting the big tackles. And uh, like you said, those are the guys that uh, want. I love the Philly defense. I think they're going to be a good defense. As we as they go and one of the stronger ones as a D team themselves D team defense, but they sure are money makers as far as the uh, uh, fantasy side of your defense. Back to right. Okay, yeah, that's a very good point there, and and I know Nick I think picked up Byron Maxwell because we talked about that last week, and yeah, I think geez, I think he had like eight or nine tackles. That's that's pretty good to get out of a out of a cornerback, and like you said, people people like to throw on him, and he just you know he played opposite Richard Sherman, so you know he's been battle tested. He's just a, he's just a guy that, for for whatever reason, seems to get no respect. But he's he's a quality player. Yeah, he had seven solos and two assists in the last game, so nice for your cornerback, yeah. definitely. Yeah, nice. Uh, Bruce, it, it, can you stick around for a little while and uh, and sure. judge our dynasty dilemma? Okay, uh, I, Bruce, more, you're... more than welcome to. Do, I mean, more than happy to do that. Uh, you are judge, Bruce, now, as we do our dynasty dilemma. So each and every week we pit two players against each other. And we're talking about, you know, some some things exist, you know, with short-term value. Some obviously dynasty show, we're going to, obviously long-term value is going to play a big part in it too. But this week we kind of kind of have a couple different guys, a little different ends of the spectrum. But we got Tyler Lockett versus Williams. Now, Nick had an opportunity to go first, so I will play the music and let him go. Now, I fully admit that Tyler Lockett is the more explosive playmaker between these two, but his situation in Seattle just scares the heck out of me. Now, here's the numbers for Seattle's top four pass catchers as far as yards last year. 825, 537, 367 and 271, and none of those four guys caught five touchdowns. Russell Wilson's a very good quarterback, but he has the same effect on his wide receivers' numbers as Alex Smith does. And all-pro tight end uh, Jimmy Graham is now competing for looks. And don't forget about Fred Jackson underneath. Uh, Lockett was fifth on the team in receptions in week one and only had 34 yards. And, yes, he had a return touchdown, but unless you think he's the next Devin Hester, he's only going to get one or two more of those. Special teams touchdowns aren't a reliable thing to depend on. Now, I know that some of the DFW's top dogs that are really enamored with Lockett. So I'm going to move on uh, stop hammering on him and talk about Terrence Williams. Now, I think Terrence Williams just has a huge opportunity to shine now that Des Bryant's out for the next four to six weeks. You look at Dallas's schedule, Philadelphia, Atlanta, New Orleans, and New England, none of those secondaries really strike fear in your heart. So while the six foot two, two hundred pound Terrence Williams hasn't yet had an eight hundred yard season, I think he could be a third year breakout guy. At twenty six years old, he's the same age as Golden Tate was last year when Tate had his best year by over four hundred yards. And Terrence Williams isn't just a size size speed guy. He has thirteen touchdowns over the last two years, and if Baylor had over eighteen hundred yards in twenty twelve and twenty three touchdowns in his final final two years. 
uh, you know, we as dynasty owners sometimes I think get too wrapped up in three to five year projections. I do the same thing as well. But especially if I'm one piece away from winning this year, I think Terrence Williams is a great option to buy Lola on now before he breaks out. Josh? Uh, well, yeah, I own and love both of these guys. Um, and speaking of buy low, I got I got T. Will. I traded Emmanuel Sanders uh, for Terrence Williams and a first round pick back. I think even before the NFL draft in uh, DFW 36. So I, I think I got him at a pretty pretty good price there, considering I got a first round pick with him. But uh, yeah, I really like both these guys. And, and you brought up the Devin Hester thing, and I'm and I'm going to go a little further than that. I I think he already is Devin Hester. In fact, I saw somebody tweet out during Sunday that he's already getting the Devin Hester respect where they're going to have to kick away from him. Um, but what he is, uh, what he is more than Devin, why he's more than Devin Hester is because this guy ran routes like a beast in college, and he is just going to continue to do that. I mean, you look at the smaller receivers that are successful in this league, obviously the big, the big name right now is Antonio. The guy is uncoverable. Um, and he also gets now Lockett also gets to match up a guy with a guy like Richard Sherman in practice and some other really really quality defensive backs for this team. I think that's I I know I bring that up a lot, but I think that is so important what these guys play against every single week, not necessarily every single game, but the defense that they're preparing against is just going to be so so much to help him get prepared for actual game things. And he's already just a polished route runner. I think you know him and Amari Cooper are right on the level in terms of what they can do receiver-wise in their, their route tree, you know, whatever you want to call it. I just think Lockett is so good. And I know the Seattle Seattle offense has been kind of a wasteland for wide receivers, but you look what they did this week. Curse had eight catches. I think Baldwin had five catches. Graham had his target. I mean, they're, they're spreading the ball around. Marshawn Lynch is getting older, and they're not going to be able to lean on him for 300-plus carries this year. Lockett is certainly the number three wide receiver right now, but he's going to be the dynamite playmaker opposite Jimmy Graham, I think, for for the foreseeable future. Maybe if it isn't this year, I understand that in the short term, T. Will looks to have a golden opportunity. And if you're, you know, you know, just a piece away, and you can tra- you can get T. Will for for a decent price, I would certainly suggest doing it. But if you want the next Antonio Brown, that's right. I'm going to go there. I think you can get Lockett. As, I, as you should get Lockett. Um, you know, with Jimmy Graham and Tyler Lockett now in tow, Seattle has a whole receiving, has a whole, has a whole, basically a whole new receiving thing core to put up around Russell Wilson, and they already have guys that have experience with Russell Wilson. Uh, Graham is Graham is obvious, but Lockett presents such a quality variety option. You know, they all the other receivers on this team are kind of the same run of the mill guys. Would be third wide receivers on other teams, uh, but. He is just so dynamic, and I really see – I know it's maybe too soon to call him Antonio Brown, but I just really see Antonio Brown in him just because of, like I said, the route tree, just the whole polish, and we've already seen him killing it on punts. Uh, I mean, I just – what the hell? I just want to go there. Tyler Lockett is the next Antonio Brown. And if all you – I'm sorry, Bruce. All you, if all you hungover 49er fans want to just take an aspirin and go back to sleep, that's fine, but I think – I think that's what's coming in Seattle. So be ready, 49er defense. Uh, he cuts, he, he jukes, he accelerates, he jukes him, excuse me, he accelerates, and he'll develop develop to be a thorn in opponent's side uh, throughout this rookie campaign. 
he is a blue collar worker, a genuine genuine folk hero. He's going to be a genuine folk hero in the Pacific Northwest. A la uh, Steve Larch. His routes are crisp, and his small stature will will actually cause matchup disruptions throughout what is hopefully a very long NFL career. Obviously, uh, you know, like I said earlier, with T. Will is the short term guy, but long term, a guy that you're going to build your dynasty around potentially the next Antonio Brown, Mr. Tyler Lockett. Now, Bruce, Nick gets a chance to rebut, which I'm sure I gave him plenty to do. <laughs> and then you can <laughs> then you can lay the hammer down. Nick, what do okay. you got? Well, first off, he's already getting the Devin Hester treatment as far as teams kicking away from him. Then he's not going to help you on special teams either. And I'll just also add that uh, practicing against Richard Sherman and company hasn't helped the Seattle receivers put up big numbers as of yet. So I, I – I don't really uh, – I disagree with the logic on, the, on those two things. That's all I'll say. Mm. Uh, but he's the best receiver on that team. Um, Bruce, what do you got for us? Okay. First of all, a little bit biased here because I'm a Tyler Lockett fan. I draft him a lot in the league. Uh, but <clears throat> that puts aside, I'll, I'm very fair when I – about uh, how I view people and how things are going on. And, and if this would have been before the season started, I would have said, you know, uh, Terrence Williams, Matthew, we didn't know that Dez Bryant was going to get hurt and all that. Parrot lock by far was going to be ahead. Then when Dez Bryant went down, uh, Williams, I go, Williams is the man here, is going to step in. Although they got, they got, they got Bryce Butler from uh, uh, Oakland, and I like Bryce Butler from Oakland, so that's going to be – I wouldn't surprise everybody out there to watch him uh, start getting a few uh, 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 receptions, getting a few uh, look at uh, out there. I like the kid a lot. He's fast and good. So on that point, uh, the biggest thing I have problems with Lockett now is I love him. If you if he, you get yards with a return return yards, man, this kid is a bomb. Like you said, he all the way in, in dynasty. And a lot of them, well, I think I'm anymore. I'm going to start demanding that we give uh, return yards to those guys and like that. Because they're, they're a key, intricate, intricate part of the offense, you know, the return guys. So, that being said, if you look at – and I said before the season was up in preseason, the jinx is up on Seattle. And the reason I say that is Seattle has not spent any money on their offensive line in the last few years, so they've got some what's the matter you college guys out there playing for them, and a tight end that they threw in there and said, oh, you're defensive. You're going to be a tackle now. Okay. So if you look at Russell got sacked seven times in the first game by the Rams. And as far as the 49ers come in, everybody thought the 49ers were going to be uh, thrown out with the bathwater, all the players left, and, and people were retired. But if you look, they got six sacks on Minnesota last year. So uh, if you look at that, uh, on that part of it, uh, the, the offensive line, uh, I think that uh, Wilson's going to have less time to throw the ball, for one thing, and he's going to have to start dumping over there. So Lockett might be good as well as Graham because if Lockett starts lining the slot, he'll be coming across the middle. He'll dump it to him. He'll have less time to throw it down the field long. So on this where it's right now until it's done, you put up a good point, Josh, and I think Lockett is definitely the better player out of the two. two. But as far as going right now, I think Terrence Williams is going to be the man in Dallas for right now. So uh, until they get their offensive line fixed. I, I got to get aside to Nick on that one. If that makes my my uh, uh, view makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and Nick always wins anyway. It's cool. Um, no, but no, yeah, but I yours, realize yours is real good a, though. I, he's right yeah. there. He is. You're right. He's he's going to be a star. I I agree with you totally. And he's a better player yeah. by far. 
And it's a bad time to pit anybody against Terrence Williams, considering the situation they're in and uh, the experience that he has under his belt. So, uh, Bruce, we're going to go right into sit and start him if you can still stick around there. But sure. Okay. All right, Nick. Uh, let's go with Nick first here. Dion Lewis, we've already talked about a whole hell of a lot. Uh, Dion Lewis or Carlos Williams, uh, they're playing against each other game in Buffalo. Nick, what do you think? Well, you look at Carlos Williams, and he only had six carries last week to uh, LaShawn McCoy's 17 carries. But he had a 26-yard touchdown and 55 yards on those six carries. So I think that should earn him a larger role. I just don't trust those New England running backs at all. So I'm going to go with Carlos Williams. I, I too, I think, you know, ultimately you want touchdowns. And I think with Shady already dinged up, I think you're going to see Williams uh, – turned into a goal line back and a touchdown vulture throughout this year. And their points are going to be at a premium in this game, especially, you know, since it's, they're playing the Patriots. So I got to go Williams too there. What do you think, Bruce? I, I, I agree totally here. Um, and uh, the coach is uh, blanked out on the coach for the uh, Buffalo Bills, the Jets, the coach. Uh, Rex, Rex, Ryan. Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan. Excuse me. Rex Ryan. You saw he, he was a, he was at a conundrum about who he was going to run as running back before never could make his mind up too well. And Ivory's doing a lot better flourishing in the offense there now than did before. So I got to kind of agree. I, I I really Lewis is going to be a one hit wonder, and, and he'll start this week. And then Blunt's coming back, and he'll run Blunt. So you just never you can't trust that at all. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, Williams is definitely. Uh, looking really, really, really good. So uh, I think he's going to get more touches as we go along, and I agree totally with you guys. Okay. Uh, Bruce, let's stick with you. Uh, Tevin Coleman or Rashard Jennings? Again, these two teams are playing each other. Game in New York. Uh, I, I'm a big Coleman fan. <laughs> I, actually, I, not so much when the, before the season started, but I saw him running as a – in the preseason, and, and I didn't know if he could he could, could uh, uh, perform, but I, I really like the kid going forward. And um, uh, New York's going to have to get it together. Last week, they were uh, suspect at best in the in the play and, and play calling, and, and uh, especially at the end there, if they would have just ran the ball and, and, and not even got a touchdown, they would have been at the two or three yard line, and, and the game would have been over. But that stands. Uh, I'll, I'll trust Coleman a lot more because he's the man there, and so I'll go with Coleman. Uh, yeah, you look at both of these guys, essential backup running backs, and uh, Andre Williams and Devontae Freeman, they both put up very similar lines. A lot of carries, not a lot of yards. Um, I think, you know, I think uh, Rashard Jennings makes this really close in PPR, but I just, I love Tevin Coleman too much, and I think we saw some good things out of him against a very good defense. And I think the Giants are are, are not as good as the Philly defense, obviously. And I think you're going to see some some hopefully some special things out of Mr. Coleman this weekend in New York. Nick, what do you think? Oh, I agree. I would definitely go with Tevin Coleman over Rashad Jennings. Uh, you look last week, uh, Coleman had 20 carries for 80 yards, whereas uh, Freeman only uh, 10 carries for 18 yards. Plus, that Atlanta run defense looks pretty stout. You know, throw out the Darren Sproles numbers. He's just such a unique back. I don't hold that against him. But against the more conventional running backs, DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews, those two guys combined for 11 carries for 13 yards. So I would be hesitant to start Jennings this week. Okay. Well, 
we saw something very special out of Bishop Sankey last weekend, and I know it was Tampa Bay, but do we believe in Bishop Sankey enough to start him over Mark Ingram this week? Nick, what do you think? Well, I like both of these guys this week, but I'll take Mark Ingram. I mean, Tampa Bay made Sankey look great. You know, even when Ingram doesn't uh, run well, he's going to contribute to the passing game, like last week when he caught eight passes for 98 yards. You know, especially with Drew Brees' fading arm strength, you look at his numbers, he had 13 completions to his top two running backs and only 11 completions to his top three wide receivers. So I think Mark Ingram, even if he doesn't uh, get a lot of yards on the ground, which I think he will this week against Tampa Bay, but even if he doesn't, he can still, still contribute in the passing game. So definitely Ingram. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to even hesitate to say that has to be Mark Ingram's best receiving game as a pro. That was that was not necessarily expected, but you know if this team is is down and uh, I think they they will be, that's that's a, a great dynamic that Ingram's added to his game. Um, I think I'm going to go Sankey. I think I'm going to go one more week with Sankey, and, and, and maybe I'm speaking of a guy that spent way too high a pick on this guy last year, but uh, I think I'm going to go Sankey against Cleveland. I, I I like Cleveland up the middle defensively, but uh, Sankey is a guy that can really, really run off tackle very nicely, and I think this might be the better game and they're going to need Sankey to contribute in the receiving game too, and I, I don't necessarily think uh, the Saints will need Ingram to catch any balls this weekend. I, mean, I know he will, but I don't think they're going to need that to happen. So I think I'm going to tip the scale to Sankey. I, I don't know why, but I'm going that way. What do you think, Bruce? Well, uh, I, I, Ingram, uh, uh, like uh, Nick was saying, Ingram uh, really definitely cashing in on the, on the receiving end. So if Spieler gets back, I think some of that will slow down on that part. So uh, buyer beware on that one. And that said, though, this week, I really, you know, Skanky, Skanky was undrafted in a lot of the leagues, different ones, and, and shorter leagues, you know, stuff like bigger leagues, you know, like we get mostly into, that somebody got him somewhere, you know, way in the late rounds, and they're, they're like being going out. And uh, you look at him, he, he had 12 carries in the 74-yard, 6.2-yard uh, average, where uh, Ingram, uh, nine carries, uh, 24 yards, only 2.7. And, and that being said, uh, I really like what I saw out of him. And he had he had uh, his uh, four four targets or two receptions in the touchdown. So I look for more of that stuff going forward. And, and his new quarterback loving him to death. So uh, uh, on that part, and, and I love the uh, uh, Mariota. So uh, on that part too. Okay, well, I kind of put this one in for fun because we did it last week, and I thought I jokingly said it'd be fun to do it every week. Uh, but I know I know it's going to be the scales are going to be a little tipped because it sounds like Ty is not going to play. But we got Andre Johnson at at Rivas Island essentially, or Stevie Smith against DJ Hayden in Oakland. So maybe it's maybe it's Steve Smith Senior all the way. I guess I'm going to go that way. What, what do you think there, Bruce? Uh, yeah, I think so too. You know, we all were. Did you, uh, not to say anything about old guys, because I'm old guys, and I can still out there and put up a few. And I actually, a few years ago, I went and played some flag football with some people like that, and they were getting rough, and I started laying the wood down and knocked a couple of people out and different things, but uh, still still got the touch of the form ripping the linebacker. And so it put those young boys in their place, but. Uh, did you think he wasn't the ball was being thrown to Andre Johnson? Like he wasn't putting his hands up for him. Like, uh, do you think his shoulders hurt? Or you know, one thing he really wasn't. 
he didn't seem like he was like into it. Uh, maybe because you know he's not in shape, like for, like I said earlier, doing that. And so uh, Steve Smith, though, he's ready to go. And you know what? For some reason, I'm 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 on the board with. Uh, I go for the seniors. Uh, let's let's go there. I'm, I'm going for the older guy since I am. I'm going with uh, Smith. All right, Nick. What do you think? Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, with T.Y. Hilton out, uh, Andre Johnson could match up with uh, Daryl Rivas. That that scares me a little bit. Whereas Steve Smith going up against Oakland, I think both starting safeties in Oakland are out. So I definitely have to go with Steve Smith. And as a side note, you know, if they, uh, Andre Johnson matching up with Daryl Rivas uh, could be a decent week for uh, guys like uh, Moncrief, Dorsett, Fleener, and Allen. Those guys are all going to be a lot cheaper options than uh, Andre Johnson in daily fantasy leagues anyway. Okay, well, James Jones didn't waste any time catching a little bit of rapport with his old buddy Aaron Rodgers. Now what do we think, Dick, against if we do James Jones versus Seattle or John Brown at the Chicago Bears? What do you think? Well, if you look at week one, Seattle's defense gave up nearly 300 yards to Nick Foles while Andre, uh, while uh, Aaron Rodgers went under 200 yards against Chicago's defense. So I just don't trust those numbers. They're both divisional games. Sometimes those can be a little bit misleading. Uh, I think Seattle's going to come out angry this week. Plus, they historically kind of have Green Bay's number. And I think Carson Palmer is going to make uh, the 300-yard mark in back-to-back weeks. So I'm going to take John Brown this week. Um. Got to go, James Jones. I I feel like I know the Seattle secondary is good, but I think I I don't know if Sherman's going to be matched up against Jones all day. I feel like they're going to want to want to teach Devonte Adams a lesson there too. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go James Jones because man, luck just or excuse me, uh, Rogers just loves this guy in the red zone. Bruce, what do you think? Well, I'm gonna go with Nick's side here. I love John Brown and with Floyd. Still out. Uh, he's the man, and uh, I think when Floyd comes back, he's going to be the man. The uh, kid, uh, you know, so five ten, like you, like one of your, like a locket guy in a way, one hundred seventy nine pounds. So he uh, really fits that well, uh, uh, that spot well for Palmer, and Palmer goes to him, you know, uh, uh, and he seems to be catching the ball. I mean, he was targeted seven times, and only caught four of them. You know, uh, but uh, got a touchdown out of it. And James Jones, here we go again. You know, James Jones walks over in the thing and falls into it. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with John Brown this week. I, this is just my gut. And that's something with the linebacker situation. I mean, with the IDP, I was going to say that earlier. Some of it is just the gut feeling that I have by watching the guy play, and, 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 and he wants to play. You can see the guy wants to play. When the guy wants to play, you know, that's the guy to jump on the bandwagon at that time. The guy that's kind of just running around out there and, uh, his paycheck is one to jump off it. So anyway, I'm going with John Brown. Okay. Uh, Bruce will stick with you again. Alan Hearns versus Miami or Pierre Garçon versus the Rams. What do you think? Ooh. Uh, I, I like Alan Hearns as one of one of my sleepers this week, but uh, this year, but uh, certainly did not live up to uh, uh, that last week. Well, Rashard Green, the rookie, came in, who we all, we all drafted in, in, uh, in uh, the rookie draft. They showed up and put on a show there with seven receptions. was targeted 13 times uh, uh, there. So, And then Garcon, so it seemed like uh, Garcon, that um, uh, he was uh, the favorite player going over there. 
uh, and he had eight targets towards him and six catches, with Garcant a lot of times dropped the ball and one thing or another. And Garcant looked pretty decent, you know, out there. Uh, I'm just worried that the, the way it's going right now, with Robinson never got anything either, they're going to, it's going to be, uh, until Evans gets back, it's going to be, it's going to be a three-way headed horse there. So I'm going to have to, uh, Garcant's not my favorite. He's either like beach or family with that guy. And so I'm going to speech this week, and I'll go with Garcon. Uh, I'm going to go Garcon, too. I think uh, I, maybe Nick can correct me on this, but I think Deshaun is officially out this week. Maybe he's questionable, oh, yeah, but yeah. I think I, he is out. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure, I think I read that today somewhere to somebody. Uh, okay, yeah, something. so. Yeah, I got I got to get uh get on Gerson thinking they're really going to need to lean on him because, you know, Jordan Reed showed that showed some nice nice flashes last week and I think they're going to need to lean on Gerson uh kind of as the guy downfield. Nick, what do you think? Uh well, I think the Jacksonville wide receiver core is just so tough to read right now. Allen Robinson was supposed to be the team's wide receiver one. He only had one catch last week, whereas the rookie Green had seven catches. Hearns had five for 60 yards. Uh, but in Washington, Garcon is now the clear-cut number one with uh, Deshaun Jackson out for three or four weeks, I believe. So I'll take Garcon, I think, even though Hearns has a way better quarterback thrown to him. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Three or four weeks, Nick's right. I, I wrote a wire. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Uh, the last one will stick with Nick. Sam Bradford versus the Dallas Cowboys or Nick Foles versus his Washington Redskins. What do you think, Nick? Well, I'm tempted to go with Nick Foles, but, you know, if Kirk Cousins turns the ball over early, St. Louis could go into kill-the-clock mode and just run the ball starting in the second quarter. Plus, uh, Foles only threw 27 times last week, whereas Sam Bradford aired it out 52 times. So I'm going to go with Sam Bradford against Dallas. Um, I, I'm going to agree there too. I just think, and I and I, I I sigh because I'm a little more invested in Foles dynasty wise than Bradford at this point. Uh, but I want to go I want to go Bradford just because I think it's going to be a better game. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. And uh, even though the what the Rams running game isn't very good right now, and Washington's fairly decent against the run, I, I just feel like I think just the big, the bigger game could could really have a nice uh, nice effect, uh, obviously, fantasy-wise. What do you think, Bruce? Well, I, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to go also with Bradford. Uh, first of all, uh, the Eagles' uh, receiving core compared to what Sam Bradford has, you know, and his new tight ends, Cook, and, and then Kendrick, <laughs> who we all thought Kendrick. How many years ago did you guys roster Kendrick? Oh, that guy's going to come on. <laughs> Got hurt. Never got now. Kendrick gets the touchdown. They got Cook there too. So they've got a couple decent tight ends out there throwing around too. They can uh, take that with. So uh, definitely a, a, a better receiving core. And like I think Nick said, 36 times he threw the ball, uh, 36 completions he threw 52 times, where uh, 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 Foles only threw 27 and completed 18. So it's 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 just uh, volume here. We're talking volume. So I'm going to go definitely with that. Okay, well that was Sidem and Stardom. We did a lot of them this week, but that was fun. I like I love I love doing those. It's fun to have very similar players playing them against each other. Kind of a mini dilemma within the sit and start. So um Bruce, I wanna thank you so much for joining us. It's been an, an absolute pleasure and we'll know know you can you can always come on again and yell at us if you think we're saying the wrong thing. 
Uh, but I'm sure we'll have you back, back as a guest sometime very soon. All right, thanks, Bruce. Have a great day, buddy. All right, thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate it. Okay, well, we have our ATS guy patiently waiting, but we've got a couple more things to get to there, Nick. So let's uh, uh, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis here. Um, we're this is a weird time to be trading. This player values are kind of shifting and whatnot with you know week one overreactions. Uh, what do you think about Allen Robinson and his one catch versus a very a very vanilla game from Melvin Gordon? What do you think? Uh, I think it's so hard to find quality running backs that you know, I would uh, I would have to side with the the team that picked up Melvin Gordon. Uh, Allen Robinson, it's just such an iffy situation there in Jacksonville. You don't know who's going to be the clear cut number one. Uh, Robinson was the third wide receiver as far as numbers in week one. So uh, Melvin Gordon is going to get the majority of the carries in San Diego. So I'm going to have to go with Gordon. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I know I'm not as big on a Rob as a lot of people. And you, you look at if, if Marquise Lee's can ever stay healthy, he's based, he's still on this roster. Jay, uh, Julius Thomas is eventually going to be back too. There's just a lot of, a lot of options there where we know Gordon's going to be, you know, 10 to 15 carries per week, at least this rookie season. So, and, and moving forward, I know, you know, Alan, it's, it's hard because you look at these guys and Alan Robinson could certainly have a very, a very long career and Gordon, you know, could be one of our, one of our three to four year running back window type of players. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, short term. And like you said, running backs are hard to come by, especially ones that get volume. And I think it's pretty, pretty fair deal, but I think I still got side with the Gordon side. Oh, Tyler Lockett, who we already talked about for Charles Johnson. Uh, Vikings offense this Monday. Wow. I don't know. I really don't know what to say. Um, and Mike Wallace was certainly the top target getter, I believe. But uh, didn't see a whole lot of Charles Johnson. So maybe maybe somebody's trying to trade low on Lock and get Lockett uh, as they're rebuilding. What, what do you think about Tyler Lockett for Charles Johnson? Definitely have to decide with the uh, team that picked up Tyler Lockett. I am worried about that Minnesota offense. It looks like uh, Teddy Bridgewater could be in for one of those sophomore slump campaigns. So, uh, yeah, Tyler Lockett. Yeah, the Vikings offensive line has a lot of question marks. Um, maybe they need to maybe they need to hire our guy Sal Conti so he can do a little uh, little coaching with what the, with the with the uh, offensive linemen they have left there. But yeah, that's it's. It's going to be a weird year for Minnesota, but I, I think they're going to I think they're going to grow up on it and be a very solid team next year. So, uh, next trade, I want to make sure that everybody knows this is a super flex. If you don't know what that is, that means uh, you can probably start any position in your flex. If, whether it's a you know most flexes are either one, running back or wide receiver. Sometimes have a tight end in the flex, uh, but this is also going to have a quarterback in the flex. So super flex here, uh, Todd Gurley. And Derek Carr for AJ Green. What do you think? Seems like a rebuilding move there, Nick. What do you think? Rebuilding, yeah, but still, you know, you got a stud top five wide receiver in AJ Green for a couple guys. We don't know what they're going to end up doing. Derek Carr could end up developing into a great quarterback, but he's not there yet. Uh, Todd Gurley hasn't played it down yet. I mean, you know, he, he sky's the limit, but he could end up being like Trent Richardson too. How high was Trent Richardson value at this point in his rookie campaign? So, yeah, I definitely have to side with the uh, the team that picked up the elite wide receiver in AJ Green. 
yeah, like I said, it depends on your situation. You know, if this if this guy has a bunch of other young young players that have some question marks, like Gurley in Carr, and AJ Green's just sitting there, you know, scoring all these points every week, and and they're still not winning games. I I, I understand it, but yeah, it's it's hard to move a guy like AJ Green unless you really believe in the pieces that you're getting back. And you know, super flex means essentially a two quarterback league. And quarterbacks tend to score more than a lot of people. They have they're more more of a safe bet to to put up a decent line, um, even if it is a PPR. So that that certainly is a big factor in this trade. But I think it's actually a pretty fair trade. I would lean AJ Green if I had to make a decision, though. Okay, uh, each and every week, most weeks, we do something that we like to call uh, Nick rants. Sometimes I like to call it shots fired. Um, uh, but it's also sometimes controversial. But this is what this is what we do. We just we have fun, and Nick likes to rant about something that's bothering him. Obviously, uh, week one in the books, there's going to be some questions out there for a lot of teams. But Nick's got a little something to say about uh, this quarterback carousel already that we've seen to develop here in uh, in Houston. So Nick, what do you got for us? Well, now I promise I'm not ranting about this just because I had Brian Hoyer as my dynasty depth charge a couple weeks ago, and I don't own any shares of him, so I'm not invested in him. But I just don't understand benching him with six minutes left in week one. That made zero sense to me. Now, if he threw all the Kirk Cousins and threw five interceptions, that's one thing. But 18 out of 36 for 236 yards, one touchdown, one pick, that's not that bad. That's better than Peyton Manning's numbers, and they were facing a stout Kansas City defense. They ranked in the top 10 last year. Uh, they had 46 sacks. That put them in the top five in that category, and they were number two in points allowed and number two against the pass. Lots of quarterbacks looked bad versus that defense. So head coach Bill O'Brien had all of training camp and four preseason games to make a decision. Then in the first game, changes his mind, and it just makes him look flaky, pushing the panic button so early. It's not like he sat an aging player for a hotshot rookie either. I mean, as now it's only two years younger. Now, since Mallet entered down 27-9 to with six minutes left, he had the benefit of facing probably less aggressive, prevent-style defense, so he looked okay. Now you've got a quarterback controversy on your hands. And, again, I'm not always against sitting the starting quarterback. Maybe do it at halftime when the game is still within reach. Sorry, Hoyer, it's just not your day today. But there was no upside to making the switch at the time that they made it. So what do they do now? Start uh, Mallet versus Carolina, another top-10 defense from a year ago? And then he struggles. What then? At that point, you know, either pick a guy and stick to it or maybe just rotate him in every series. What the heck? At least then you're making decent that he throw him on two quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't think they're exactly Cardell Jones, JT Barrett's. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting move there. I wonder if they were really just maybe trying to plan ahead. Maybe they thought the scheme was over and, like, well, let's give Carolina something to really think about. Let's put both of these guys. So then the hacks prepare for both of them, and then we're just going to smack them with Albert Blue for 25 carries. No, I'm sorry. I'm a Albert Blue winner. Just, I was just dreaming. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, and maybe, you know, I think the game was kind of out of hand, too. Maybe they were just trying to save face, making sure Hoyer uh, stayed healthy for the next week. Uh, who knows? But, yeah, it does not look good to pull your starting quarterback week one so you know stick to your guns let it happen you know and give it some time you know look how much time cleveland got uh gave hoyer last year so we'll 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 see what happens ultimately there but i think it's gonna be hoyer under center even 
and maybe this was just a psychological move. Um, in case you didn't see it, Mr. Rob Gronkowski went off on Thursday night to the tune of three touchdowns and just just an absolute beast at the tight end. And it and it begs the question, Nick, is Gronk the greatest tight end of all time? And now I think this conversation obviously begins and ends with Tony Gonzalez. And, you know, we consider Tony Gonzalez the greatest probably the greatest tight end of all time. But if you look at the look at his career numbers in terms of the longevity that he played, of course he's going to have great numbers. And I don't want to take anything away from Tony. He was a superb player for so many years. But if you look at the numbers to where he is at, to where Gronk is at now, you know, age-wise, I mean, Gronk, besides the year he hit, what got hurt, is it just a, is, I mean, he's automatic, 12 touchdowns single year. I mean, he's already got three. I mean, who knows what he's going to do this year? He already broke the record, I think, with 17. Um, and, you know, maybe Gronk's not going to have the, the long type of year's career that Tony gone, Tony gone had. But w- what do you think? What do you think about Gronk being the greatest tight end ever? Well, you mentioned longevity, and that's the key to me. If you're going to be the greatest of all time, you have to have longevity. Guys like Tony Gonzalez, Ozzy Newsome, uh, Kellen Winslow, these guys all had long, productive careers, whereas Gronkowski, he's only got two years that he's gone over 1,000 yards. He's he's just not not, – we haven't seen it for long enough yet to call him the greatest of all time. I mean – you know, if you're going to go off of just short-term, Bo Jackson's one of the greatest running backs I've ever seen, but you're not going to hear him in the discussion for greatest of all time because he didn't have the longevity. So, yeah, to me, you can't put him up there quite yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, if he – if obviously, if he plays as long as Tony Gonzalez, his career numbers could just be ridiculous. But uh, that still, still remains to be seen. But, of course, he's, uh, he's certainly in uh, – in the in the conversation right now, and I think it's okay to maybe put him put him there right now, even though he's there's a lot to be said. And you know, another thing about Tony Gonzalez, it's just a, a sheer volume of receptions, and that's kind of why he was more of a thousand yard guy. Uh, Gronk doesn't get that many receptions; he just happens to score so many times. <laughs> so, a little bit of a different animal. Certain guys from different different playing. Uh, different eras, and it's always fun to match them up against each other. But we'll see. We'll revisit the conversation uh, when uh, when Gronk uh, retires and see how many years and touchdowns and receptions that he's put up. So our ATS, the odd man, Chuck Podaisky, has been patiently waiting on the phone. So let's click Mr. Podaisky through. Let's see. Yeah, music clip's been working today, so I'm going to get one of his music clips going Ah, uh, your music clip is not working again. I don't get what I did. I gotta, I gotta go back and pick, figure something out there, Chuck. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's o- that, that's Chuck, that's okay, Josh. <laughs> all the other Who wants to hear music anyway. I do. I like it, but better than hearing my voice for two hours. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Everybody out there loves me. But it's Chuck Podesky, the Odd Man. Chuck's choices. If you haven't read it, you need to. How did you do in your choices this week, bud? 
Yeah, I went uh, I went three and two again. Three out. Of, I, I, it sounds better to say three out of five, sixty percent, which yeah. which is good yeah. in Las Vegas. But I was so disappointed <laughs> in the Vikings on uh, on Monday night, and uh, I, you know, I had I had written up a whole thing about how about picking. I was going to take the Giants plus the points against the uh, Cowboys, and at the last second, I said, you know, I don't like that one as much as I like the Vikings. So you know, uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I don't know what went on with the Vikings, but we'll get into all of that later. <laughs> um, it seems too easy. That's, that's why I think that was a problem. So, uh, I well, guess more I, importantly, in, the, in the Vikings game, it was a case of the fact that I think I thought the Vikings were going to be way better than they were last year, and I thought the 49ers were going to be way worse than they were last year. Maybe that'll still end up being the case, but they sure didn't show it in the first game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, more importantly, how did we do on our clean sweeps? I forgot to look. Well, I looked those up last night. As a matter of fact, I did all my homework last night uh, on our clean sweeps. We were four and two, which is sixty-seven percent, and uh, that is uh, that will win money in Las Vegas any time. So, maybe people should look at the ones that we all agree on, right? Uh, didn't we have seven though? One. Oh, I had uh, I had six of them, but. Okay, I, I had seven oh. jets. Chiefs, Raiders. Uh, oh, we oh we all agreed on the we all agreed on the Jets. Yep, that was the first okay, one. Okay, I yeah. didn't. I did not have that circle. So five okay. and two. Just That's pretty darn good. Pick the Raiders game, people, and you'll be all right. <clears throat> um, Personally, uh, I was eight eight seven and one. I don't know what you guys were. I didn't. I don't have. To, <laughs> I don't have the the mental acuity to write down everybody's picks as we're doing them. But uh, yeah, uh, I. I think I got, I think I got you by one there, but because uh, I had the the push there on on Thursday night, so um, yeah, I had the so push let's get too. What do you got for us, Denver at KC Thursday night? What do you, what do you got for a line there, buddy? By the way, before we go, I uh, all of these lines are going to be really really current. I discovered, or I haven't, I didn't discover. Uh, there's a site called SportsMemo.com. And it's a free site. You can go to it. You can sign up and everything like that. But you don't. It doesn't cost anything to belong to it. But they have a they have a little uh, section called odds. And if you click on that, you can see the current lines uh, up to the minute of a lot of the the, the offsite books. But I'm going to go. I'm going to use my lines uh, current by the Westgate Las Vegas, which used to be the Las Vegas Hilton. Uh, they've got a great sports book there. So when we do these picks. Each week, uh, everybody's got to know that we're doing these on Wednesday, and all these, uh, all the point spreads are going to be as of the time we are doing it on Wednesday. Okay. Fair enough. So, okay, if you get really uh, mad at us about one of our picks. That's why it's Wednesday, people. Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We're doing these way early in the week. You got to understand. You know, we're we're Nostradamus, but that's to a, a degree. <laughs> anyway, the Chiefs are minus three. And they're minus three at a buck twenty, which means there's a lot of people betting on the Chiefs, and you have to give up a little more money uh, taking the Chiefs at minus three than taking the Broncos. But nonetheless, the um, for our purposes, the point spread is the Chiefs by three. I really want to not overreact to what we watched last weekend, but you're giving me Casey at home. One of the loudest, one of the best place, one of the craziest sporting events I've ever been at when I was at KC watching them on a Monday night just destroy my Oakland Raiders. 
and you're giving me points. I got I got to take Casey at home if you're giving me points. So Nick, what do you got? Uh, I'm definitely. Oh wait, Casey I'm Kansas sorry. What's Is that? Casey favored? Was Casey Casey's favorite? Casey's favorite. Kansas City's oh. favored by three. I'll take it anyway. Sorry. Even though <laughs> okay. my opinion just did not just got blown out of the water. I thought you. Oh, I just assumed that they would be dogs. But anyway. <clears throat> Rivalry game, yeah. Give me Casey. Sorry. Sorry, son. Nick. Casey's favored by three. What do you got? Uh, definitely taking Kansas City, and actually that only being favored by three surprises me a little bit. As bad as Denver looked last week, I was wondering, Chuck, is there uh, could this be an instance where the public maybe is just uh, so blindly following Peyton Manning that you're going to kind of get a deal here? Yeah, I, you know, in, in my notes that I had written down this week, uh, I wanted to mention something about this game and the, the fact that the, I believe, and one of my picks on Chuck's choices this week was the unders on the Broncos and the uh, – and the Ravens, because the Broncos are now a defensive team. They have a re- a lot of be- all the talk is about Peyton Manning. The Broncos have a really, really, really good defense. So, do, you know, it, it, don't don't be thinking of the Broncos as a team that's going to score forty or fifty points every week. Think about it. Think of them as a team that's going to hold other teams to probably under twenty. Okay. Do you feel like this line could maybe get crunched down to two and a half? I mean, I feel like. Public-wise, like Nick said, I think Denver's probably a little more, a little more of a public team that people like to bet on than as opposed to Casey. Don't you think? Well, here's the history of this line. Uh, hang on a second. I got to click on the right game here and make sure I, I give you the, uh, the the correct stats here. Uh, this game has been at three the entire way. Uh, ever since it opened, it's been at three. So I don't expect it to move either way. You know what? I, I, I would expect, yeah, you're right. It, it, if anything, the Broncos are such a public team that it may move a little bit uh, a little bit under that three, but judging by how Peyton Manning looked last week in the Denver offense at home, um, I, I don't see it moving much at all. Okay. So you're taking the Chiefs too? Uh, as a matter of fact... <laughs> I'm going to make it a sweep. I think that the uh, the Chiefs impressed me with a, with a road win last week. Uh, the Broncos are still trying to find themselves. Uh, I will look for the Chiefs to win it by at least a field goal, and, and I feel sorry for the Broncos because I like the Broncos, but I just uh, playing at Arrowhead also puts the, puts the nail on the coffin there. Okay. First clean sweep. And it wasn't the Raiders, so you're okay to bet on the Chiefs, people. Uh, Atlanta at the Giants. What do you got for us, Chuck? Okay, Atlanta. Oh, you aren't in my order. I've got to find it. Let's see. That's the the Falcons. That's all right. Um, We've done it all along, so I'm prepared for this. Giants are favored by two and a half points now. Okay. Um, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to take the Giants. I just, you know, in week two, you got to be uh, watch out for those 0-1 teams. They're desperate not to go 0-2. I think this is one of those situations where these two teams are pretty even. So I think they're both going to be one and one after this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, shootout. I want to say shootout. I, I know Atlanta had some promising moments, and I get, but they still gave up some points. And now they got to go on the road, and this team is not a very good road team. I think the Giants are going to be out to prove something after all the mishaps. Um, And, you know, their defense really bailed them out. You know, besides their play-calling mishaps at the end of the game, if their defense doesn't score two touchdowns, we're 
having a completely different conversation right now. Um, but, yeah, two really awkward touchdowns if you watch that game. They didn't even seem like the play was even going. And uh, RDC, were, or, yeah, RDC was just, like, walking 20 yards into the end zone. But, uh, uh, yeah, long story short, Giants mi- minus two and a half. I love it. What do you think, Chuck? Boy, I'm real careful this game because my mantra has been that, you know what, the Giants, uh, you know, we know the Cowboys came back and won last week, but the Giants shouldn't even have been in that game. Uh, All their touchdowns were set up by defensive plays, and their offense didn't do much at all. I was just really surprised that the Cowboys were able to go through their defense so easily uh, after not doing anything the entire game. I still have the Giants picked here, and it's only because the Falcons haven't been very good on the road the last few years. The Giants, uh, it it was a tumultuous, or it's been and it will still be a tumultuous week for the Giants, and Tom Coughlin has a way of getting his team back together and getting them on the right track. So uh, I, I'm going to reluctantly take the Giants on this one. You can bet it won't be one of Chuck's choices, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll just <laughs> depend on the uh, the Falcons being a bad road team. Okay. Um, well, I had another two and a half looking at me on this next one, Houston at Carolina. Um, what, do you, what do you got there, Chuck? Uh, this one is now three. The Panthers are, uh, are a solid three point. Actually, they started out at three and a half. And uh, let me give you the history on that real quick here. Uh, yeah, it, it started out at three, went up to three and a half, and now it's back down to three. Okay. Your lines are better than mine, I'm sure, so I'll, I'll go with it. I like I like Carolina minus the three. Um, I, I, just, I just don't know. I, I expected a lot more out of Houston, and I think Carolina's defense – is going to is going to be very very good against this, especially back in their own own home stadium. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm also going to have to go with Carolina. I don't love it, but I just don't trust that Houston quarterback situation right now. And Carolina playing at home, I, I'll go with the Panthers. What do you think, Chuck? Well, well, it's not going to be a clean sweep this time. I'm going to take the Texans on the road. Um, I was impressed with how they hung in there and came back last week against the Chiefs, and I've got to believe that the Chiefs' defense is at least as good as the Panthers. Uh, I think the Texans have a good effort in them this week, so I'm going to take the Texans. Okay. Um, San Diego at Cincinnati. Please tell me you don't have a hook on this one. No, I, I do have a little extra cash. The Bengals are at minus oh. three, but you got to but you got to give up uh, one twenty to get uh, to get the Bengals at minus three. So, uh, no, we we've got minus three right here, Josh. Okay. Well, I saw three and a half earlier this morning, so I'll, I'll, I don't love it. I I and I don't know if this is San Diego being the hard team to pick. And we've seen Andy Dalton absolutely poop his pants at home too. So we <laughs> I don't. I don't know, but uh, I, uh, I guess and and I know since he played the Raiders last week and uh, whatever since he at home minus three, don't don't hold me to it. I don't feel very good about it. What do you got, Chuck? Yeah, just to make you feel better, this one was uh, as late as uh, well. It started out at three and a half. It went down to three on uh, on the sixteenth, which was today. Yeah, today just just today it went down to three. So you you weren't crazy there. 
Okay. I have I have the Chargers taken. Chargers seem to be one of those teams where they aren't phased by the uh, you know going from west to east and playing the early game. Uh, did I say Bengals? Chargers is what I is what I'm taking. I'm going to take no, the Chargers, Chargers on this. Okay, good. Um, just really impressed with them, uh, even though the Bengals look so good, and even though I uh, am starting Tyler Eifert this weekend. I look at the Chargers to keep this one close. It may end up a field goal game, and we'll hope it's a field goal in favor of the Chargers. All right, Nick, what do you think? I'm also going to go with San Diego. I just feel like Cincinnati is one of those teams that they take care of the teams that they should beat, like the Raiders, but then when they go up and face playoff-caliber teams like the Chargers, they tend not to perform as well. So I'm going to definitely take uh, San Diego. Okay. Uh, Detroit at Minnesota. Minnesota getting maybe a little love. Those home teams kind of get a field goal in the NFL anyway. What do you got for us, Chuck? Uh, Vikings are favored by three in this one. Uh, So we're looking essentially a pick neutral site. Um, I know they don't have neutral sites in the NFL. Oh, man. I don't want to go first. What do you think, Chuck? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, it's been three all along, so if you don't know what to do on this game, neither do the sports books and neither does anybody else. You know, one thing that the line staying at minus three tells me is that uh, a lot of the public is just kind of yawning at this game or scratching their heads at this game also. Both teams were underwhelming last week, didn't uh, look as good as everybody thought they should. Lions kind of rushed out there and, and, and got a good lead on the Chargers, but after that it was uh, it was all downhill. So here's two teams that played on the West Coast. Now they're coming back to the Midwest. The Vikings should be a little more comfortable in their home stadium, and very the Vikings should be very, very anxious to, to let people know that they're better than what they showed last week. I bet Adrian Peterson gets some, some rushes this week, and I'll take the Vikings. Okay. Well, the Vikings are still using the University of Minnesota football stadium, so it's not necessarily their stadium, but I think their home crowd will be uh, – maybe a little impatient, but ready to root them on. And, I mean, what, what a better thing to get your team back on track than to beat a, beat a division foe at home. And I think they have to take care of business, and I think that's going to be very important to them in the city. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, uh, take the Vikings minus three. Not crazy about it, but that's just what I think is going to happen. Nick, what do you think? Uh, to me, Minnesota was maybe the most disappointing team in week one. San Francisco was supposed to be a dumpster fire, and they just worked over the Vikings. So I, I can't take Minnesota in this game. i got to go with Detroit. Yes, they lost last week, but it was to a far better team than the Chargers. So definitely going with the Lions. Okay. Um, Chuck, do you still have Cleveland? Is Cleveland favorite in a game? Can we Can we really ponder that? What do you got? Oh, actually, no. It just went down to Pick'em. It's uh, Pick'em as of a couple of minutes ago. So uh, we're looking at just pick the winner of this game between the Titans and the Browns. Well, that's easy. I got to go Tennessee. I think – I don't think Cleveland has as many players on their defense as – as the Bucks do, and we saw what Mariota did, and try not to overreact to Mariota's week one performance. Um, and I know they're going on the road, but I, if it's just a pick 'em, I, I got to lean towards the team that looked a lot better 
last week. Regardless, you know, we, we want to knock on these guys when they play bad opponents and, and, uh, and, and kind of trim them down a little bit. But it is still the NFL, and there's a lot of parity, and not, there's not a lot of huge difference between the middle-of-the-row teams and these terrible teams. So, you know, a couple couple touchdowns here and there make a long, long difference in, in a stretch of a season. And, and I and I got to believe Tennessee is just a hotter team right now. They're ready to rally around Mariota, and uh, they got they, it's a pick them. So why, why not just take Tennessee? Nick, I think you're going to agree with me. Uh, yeah, I, I got to go with Marcus Mariota over Johnny Manziel. I mean, especially in a pick'em game, I don't care if it is on the road. Uh, the Titans have all the momentum in the world after the big win in Week One. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going Tennessee. Yeah, Nick, and Nick, full disclosure, Nick just hates Cleveland. Just, just so everybody knows. I mean, there's not a lot of reason to love them <laughs> over the last couple of years, but Nick just hates Cleveland. What do you got? <laughs> Well, there's so many things in play here. Were, were the Buccaneers really that bad on defense, or were the Titans, you know, you know, good on offense? Uh, one thing I'm fairly sure of is that the New York Jets have a really, really good defense. So I'm giving the Browns a little bit of a, uh, a slide on that one. As a matter of fact. Um, I was in one of those eliminator challenges, and the Jets were my pick last week. So uh, the, uh, the, the Browns are going to look like a different team this week. They do have a good defense; they really do. And uh, Mariota, I suspect, and, you know, it, it's so hard just not to overreact to everything. I suspect that the Browns are a little better defense than the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're a little better than they showed last week. And I'm going to take the home team and the Browns, even with their ugly new uniforms. Um, oh, they're terrible. I, I think uh, Johnny Manziel, if he starts, he's got to he's going to have a whole week behind center in the in the first team reps. Probably see a different uh, Cleveland team this week, so I'm going to take the Browns. Okay. Um, you know, I said last week, I said, gosh, I really like. Uh, I think the Tampa Bay defense is going to be good, and you agreed with me. <laughs> well, for, for one reason, Lovey Smith is known. Lovey Smith is known for his defenses, and and I I don't know how he could be so bad. Uh, the de- uh, I I don't know. I, I don't, see. Even though Tennessee won that game easily, I still don't know what to think about either team. I'm flummoxed. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was a game of momentum, and uh, Tennessee took it and ran with it. Um, Nick, what do you think? Oh, you picked that one. I'm sorry. Uh, Arizona <laughs> at Chicago. Your Bears getting points at home, Chuck? Well, you know what? This is going to surprise you. This is the biggest move. Uh, the Cardinals are now down to one-and-a-half point favorites uh, after being two-and-a-half. Let me tell you where that okay. game went. Real quick here at the Westgate. Um, yeah, the Cardinals were never any more than two and a half. They went down to two, then it went to one, and then they went back up to one and a half. Okay, so what do you think about your Bears, Chuck? Well, you know, they are my Bears, but I don't have much faith in them. I like the way the Cardinals are going, and they have a they they uh, they they have a way of going on the road playing in that early game. I remember last year, early in the season, the Cardinals went up to New York when everybody thought the Giants were going to kill them, and the Cardinals won that game. And uh, that was, as a matter of fact, I think in a game they were missing Carson Palmer, too. So uh, I like Bruce Arians. I like what he's doing. I don't like where the Bears are at right now, and I have to take 
the especially now that now that it's only minus one and a half. I'm going to take the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like that too. Bears secondary versus uh, just a whole lot of receiving talent for Arizona. Carson Palmer's healthy, at least that we know of. I I, I got to take Arizona here. Nick, are you going to sweep it for us? Yeah, make it a sweep. Even with no Andre Ellington, I still think the Cardinals have enough firepower to outscore the Bears. Okay. San Francisco at Pittsburgh. San Francisco getting no love here with this line. I got I got six and a half, Chuck. What do you got? Uh, believe it or not, down to five and a half. Down to five and a half. So San Fran's getting a little public love. Yeah, um, let me look at the uh, the history on that real quick, Josh. Uh, six and a half, and it's gone. It went down to went down to five and a half, back up to six. So as soon as we went down to five and a half, people were betting the Steelers. But it's uh, went back up to six, and now it's down to five and a half. Okay. Well, I know I was just talking about, but I still got, I'm still going to go Pittsburgh. I mean, we already established that almost any nobody can stop Antonio Brown, and uh, San Fran's got got not a very good secondary and obviously their their pass rush didn't uh kind of expose that didn't 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 really show that last week against Minnesota and their terrible offensive line but I I think Big Ben's just going to sit back and pick these guys apart so I I I I'm pretty comfortable with taking Pittsburgh uh, minus five and a half there Nick what do you think yeah, San Francisco might have looked impressive playing at home last week against Teddy Bridgewater and that bad Minnesota offensive line, like you mentioned, but it's a whole other animal trying to go on the road to Pittsburgh and slow down Big Ben. Uh, yeah, I definitely have to go with the Steelers. What do you think, Chuck? Well, uh, the Steelers are going to be my eliminator pick this week, so... Uh just so all the people in my in my uh, little group know that uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know what that's worth but I'm 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 going with the Steelers this week. I'm going to stick with my assessment. I you know the the, the 49ers they they've got to really show me something now. If they can go on the road and give the Steelers a good game and look good there uh then that will be great. Maybe I'll change my opinion, but they they looked so good on Monday night, and now the you know the public is kind of on their side, and I think it's a gift only having to give five and a half with the Steelers. So I will take the Steelers and make this one a sweep too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you play those primetime games and you look really really good, uh, Chuck kind of alluded to that. The public does have a tendency to. Uh, to overreact to that. And, uh, you know, they have that Monday night hangover. So uh, now they're going on the road to Pittsburgh, even though their defense has got some questions. Um, you can bet uh, Mike Tomlin and company is going to be ready to slow down Mr. Carlos Hyde, that's for sure. Uh, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Do you have a double-digit line for us, Chuck? Grr, this is tough. Not quite double digits, Josh. Uh, nine and a half points uh, the Saints are favored oh, by. and um, Well, it was ten, uh, just to, to give you some validation there. It went down to nine and a half, so there's apparently some Tampa Bay money out there, and, and, uh, and I'm one of them. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. You know, a lot of people in these Eliminator games will take the biggest favorite, but the Buccaneers have given the Saints fits in this divisional game, so it's not such a sure thing. Uh, even though, mm-hmm. the, and look how bad the Buccaneers looks like, looked last week. The Saints 
didn't really look that much better. They didn't have you know a whole lot of offensive firepower. Granted, it was against Arizona's defense, but um, I'm st- I-, I still think the Buccaneers are going to ha- find some way to get within nine and a half points of this. So I'm, I'm going to take the Buccaneers and probably regret it, but I'm taking the Bucks. Okay. Uh, well, I think I alluded to it last week, those eliminators slash kind of survival things. You know, you just pick one team every week, and you can't pick the same team twice. Um, and I, I'm absolutely terrible at it, so I'm trying a new strategy this year. And, and I'm sorry, Nick, but I'm just going to see how far I can go with picking the Redskins opponents. So, you know, that, that's where I'm going there. Um, but <laughs> like Chuck said, a lot of people are going to jump on the big favorite in that eliminator thing. Um, and I'm going to say this week, I think that's okay. I think Jameis Winston making his first trip to New Orleans against against the Saints. That's that's a pretty that's a pretty good crowd. And I know the Saints up to the last couple of years have been pretty automatic at home, and they want a win after losing on the road week one. I I, I think Winston's going to be even though I don't like the Saints defense at all. I think Winston's just going to struggle to really get him, get his thing going in this game. So I'm going to. I'm going to lay the nine and a half points. I don't love it, but I'm making a decision, and that's that's where it's going to be. What do you think, Nick? Uh, it's a lot of points, nine and a half, especially for a division game. But I still got to go with New Orleans at home. I just, uh, I Tampa Bay looked so bad last week. But on the bright side, I bet uh, James Winston can probably get some pretty good crab legs there in New Orleans for a free game meal. Oh, thing. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's more. I think it's more crawfish. But yeah, whatever. Um, jambalaya. Uh, St. Louis. We're back to the food conversation. St. Louis at Washington. Well, you already know where I stand. I'm taking St. Louis survival wise. But what do you got for a spread there for us, Chuck? Three and a half for the Rams. Three and a half. All right, Nick. What do you think, buddy? Uh, again, Washington, they're they're no good this year. I'm sorry. Three and a half points, that's all. I'm definitely going with the Rams in this one. Two minutes left on Sun two minutes left in the first half on Sunday. Your Redskins are up ten nothing, Nick. What's going through your head? Um, you watch Miami drive down the field and score a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was surprised they even got we had a lead at all in that game, but you know, week one, crazy things happen. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like it. St. Louis minus three and a half. Nick or Chuck, what do you think? You guys are both taking the Rams. Yep. Remember last year when I think it was last year or the year before when Jeff Fisher went up and uh, and. Uh, he sent out for the for the uh, for the coin flip. He sent out all the guys that they got in their trade for Robert Griffin the third. <laughs> do, do, do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah. oh, there there's there's no love for Jeff Fisher in Washington right now. Um, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna call an audible. I had I had the Rams pick just because I was so proud of picking them against the Seahawks last week and. Anytime somebody beats the Seahawks, they're my favorite team. But I am going to call for the Redskins. I'm gonna. Uh, I think the Rams will win by a field goal, so I'm gonna take the Redskins uh, plus three and a half points on this one. Sorry, I couldn't do the sweep with you guys on this one. I, I think right. the Redskins are a lot better than people think they are, and the Rams just got that win over the Seahawks. So the public's a little bit on the Rams side, and I'm gonna take the Redskins to. I'm going to take the Rams to fail where the uh, Dolphins did not last week. 
Okay. That's two weeks now you've picked the Redskins, Chuck. I'm just, just pointing it out. Well, I'm going to be right one of these weeks. <laughs> All right. Uh, New England at Buffalo. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking forward to this game after we saw what Buffalo did at home versus the Colts. What do you think, Chuck? What do you got for a line there, buddy? Patriots are minus one in this game. Tom Brady is my fantasy quarterback. Um, I think Bill Belichick always finds a way to win these games, and he's going to find a way, especially only favored by one. All the Patriots have to do is win the game, and I think they will. We'll take them. But this is sexy Rexy going against his hated foe. Uh, I I can't pick against Buffalo at home. I know it's only one point, and it's it's Buffalo plus one. But I can't pick against Buffalo at home. I, and I know it seems like there's been so many times where you think Buffalo's finally going to get New England, and 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 they just don't for whatever reason. This is it. This is where they turn it around. Here come the Bills, and you don't mess with the Bills at home. So Bills plus one. What do you think there, Nick? Uh, with only the one point, i got to go with New England. I just can't see. You know, I can see uh, it being a letdown type of game after the big win for Buffalo over Indianapolis last week. I, I just can't see them beating uh, the the Colts last week and then the Patriots the next week. It's just too tough to see. Yeah, Josh, another, another little note on this game. Uh, I just picked up Tyrod Taylor as my backup quarterback to Tom Brady. Um, I, I got rid of Derek Carr. I don't know how his status is going to be, and I don't know how you know, whether he is the quarterback that I thought he was going to be. So I kind of uh, switched over to Tyrod Taylor uh, as a pickup this week because in Brady's off week, Tyrod has a uh, home game against, oh, I can't remember, but he is at home against somebody that I think he can succeed against. So okay. just for your info. Uh, all right. Yeah, you gotta you gotta love those bills at home. Miami at Jacksonville. Chuck, what do you got for us? Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are favored by six in this game. I don't love it, but I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. I feel like they maybe you know they maybe got an earful at halftime, and they still didn't really come out and blow anybody out of the water. Uh, but I in the second half, but I, I, I think Jacksonville's got some question marks right now on the defensive line, and uh, Carolina, you know, a lot of people were down in Carolina because uh, losing a big piece like Kelvin Benjamin, and they didn't necessarily uh, blow blow Jacksonville out of the water, but I think Miami will. Sorry, I'm just talking here. Miami, minus six. Chuck, what do you got? You know, you got to think about uh, the, the, how much Dolphins, how, how much regard had the Dolphins garnered in the off season. They they played two straight road games to start the season, and they were favored in both games. This one minus six against the Jaguars. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins played up to their potential last week, um, or the Redskins uh, were better than we thought. One of the two, but I think they'll come out with a full effort this week, and I'm going to take the Dolphins minus that you know, minus the six points. Nick, what do you think? Um, make it a sweep. I think uh, Miami probably just overlooked the Redskins a little bit, seen them uh, ranked down in the bottom in all, on all the power rankings and thought they could just uh, glide to an easy win. That didn't quite happen. I don't think they're going to make that same mistake. And, you know, if they blow them out big enough, maybe they'll let Nadamika on two attempts a field goal since he likes kicking things so much. 
it's getting hot in here. Uh, Dallas at Philadelphia. Chuck, wait a second. There's an NFC East matchup, and it's not on Sunday night. Oh, okay. Um, to take Seattle and Green Bay to outdo that. But anyway, Dallas at Philadelphia. Chuck, what do you got? Yeah, well, it is the featured game on Fox this week, so that's something. The Eagles are favored by five, and, and what a what a great game to have in the afternoon rather than, like you say, on one of the primetime games. Uh, Eagles are minus five. They were at five and a half. They've been bet down. A lot of people on Dallas, which happens a lot. Dallas is a, a very, very public team, and whatever – Whatever comes out, a lot of people will bet on the Cowboys. Maybe as the as the kickoff draws closer, there will be a little more on the Eagles. But uh, as it is now, the Eagles are favored by five. Five, huh? God, I don't like that at all. Five? Yeah, that's such a weird. That's, that's that's a weird spread. That's crazy. I'm going to take Dallas. I don't think they'll win the game, but I think it's a field goal game. I just don't like that number in the division matchup, even though it's Dallas on the road. Coming off a hot win, what do you think, Nick? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take Philadelphia. You know, if Des Bryant was playing, this would be a completely different story. But I, I think with no Des Bryant, Philadelphia can win this by a touchdown. Yeah, and maybe that's why this number's jumping without any Des. I didn't think about that. But uh, what do you what do you think, Chuck? Yeah, I was confused about the Cowboys last week, even though I thought it was a little bit false on the on the Giants and the fact that they uh, they didn't really move the ball on offense. When you think about it, the Cowboys never really had much offense, even when Des Bryant was in the game. Their running game has clearly suffered because they don't have DeMarco Murray. I didn't see anybody, uh, you know, getting any what they call yard after route yak yards after contact in that game, and because they couldn't set up the running game, their passing game failed also uh, until the last couple minutes of the game. So, you know, that, I think that's more on the Giants than it is on the uh, on the Cowboys last week. Um, as crazy as it is, uh, there's an Eagles and Cowboys game that's a five-point spread. Uh, you would think automatically I'm going to take the Cowboys plus the points, but I'm not. I'm going to take I'm going to take Philly, and I'm going to look for a big effort from uh, Chip Kelly this week. Okay. Um, Green Bay hosting Seattle. What do you got for us? Packers are favored by that. The field goal and the hook here. I can't make it go down any lower. (laughs) I would love it it to be just three points, but it's three and a half Packers. Uh, I I like it. I'm still going to, I'm still going to go with the home team in this, um, I, and I know I know you need to start your studs in fantasy, but if you own Eddie Lacy, be excited about this matchup. It's, it's, uh, it's I, I think you're going to see special things from Eddie Lacy in this game. Uh, they they seem to control him last year, and and I and I know there's other issues going on in Seattle right now, and same some some other issues with New England or excuse me Green Bay in their passing game. But I, I think Eddie Lacy is just going to rip Seattle apart in this game. And I, I think they, I think Pack won by a touchdown. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think Seattle wins this game. Right? You know, historically they just seem to have Green Bay's number, plus the fact that they do not want to go 0-2 in that tough, tough NFC West division. So I think they're going to be desperate backs against the wall, and they're going to come out and win this game. Okay, Chuck, what do you think? As of this second, I, I am uh, I am still not sure. You guys are talking me talking both sides of the fence here. 
Uh, by the way, Josh, from, from your mouth to God's ears, uh, because I do own Eddie Lacy. I know last year when the Packers went up to Seattle, Lacy didn't have a good game. I think that was the first game of the season. Now it's the second mm-hmm. game of the season. You know, I'm going to stick with what I what I had, had picked last night. It's the second game of the season, the Seahawks. Uh, everybody's expecting the Packers to get that revenge for that playoff loss last year. They may get the revenge, but I think they won't get it by more than three points. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with my Seahawks pick. Okay. Last one. Um, I think I said. Oh, wait a minute. Josh, we didn't yeah. do Ravens and Raiders. Oh, well, do we really need to? Uh <laughs> Well, probably the reason is there, there there hasn't been a line on that game until this morning I looked at it, and finally they put a line up. The Ravens are favored okay. by six. Oh, in Oakland. God, I really didn't want to pick Oakland this week. I can't, I can't do it. I'll take the Ravens minus the six. <laughs> Nick, what I do you don't. Think? Oh. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Ravens to win this by at least a touchdown, especially with uh, the fact that Derek Carr is probably not going to play. they got to go with Baltimore. Yeah, that's Josh, probably why. Run? Yeah, Josh, that's probably why they had no line for a long time there. We're yeah. looking at uh, at who's going to be the quarterback. I can't – It's it's hard to pick a team – coming that far. As a matter of fact, I think the Ravens just stayed out on the West Coast after their game with the Broncos, didn't they? You hear about that? They're staying out there. Yeah, and, uh, and I think the Ravens have like four or five road game, four of five to start the season on the road, too. Something crazy yeah, like that. It's tough for the Ravens, and with that road ahead... I expect a really, really good effort from the Ravens. Uh, I hate to, I would hate to think the Raiders would repeat their performance of last week, but without Derek Carr... Uh, I mean, I'm seriously thinking of not playing Amari Cooper this week. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but uh, um, Ray, I, I, I just can't bring myself to take the Raiders, even though I had such high hopes for him. But if Derek Carr was in again this week, I, I might, I might take the Raiders, but I, I don't think the Ravens will have any mercy on Matt McGloin, the quarterback. So we'll look for a lot of sacks. As a matter of fact, I picked up the Ravens' defense this week for my fantasy team. Uh, I'll take the Ravens also, and that'll be a clean sweep, right? Uh, yes, it is. We got Ravens, okay. Steelers, and Jets. Oh, and Miami. No, excuse me, not Jets. Um, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Miami, and Baltimore on the clean, clean sweeps. Um, oh, don't forget about the Cardinals. Now, oh, do, do we all take the Cardinals? Okay, I'm sorry. And the Giants. Somewhere else. The Ravens and the Dolphins, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Jeez. Uh, all right, um, sorry. Last one. I think I said earlier that Andre Johnson was visiting Revis Island, but no, the Jets are coming to Indianapolis on Monday night. What do you got for us? Let's put a line there. Uh, Colts by just uh, seven points. I um, – I, Chuck, I don't know if you have this year, but Chuck's, I'm sure, going to refer to R.J. Bell here here and there. And he said something on the radio last week about the Colts uh, against teams not named the Titans or Jacksonville over the last couple of years have been outscored by like 30-some points and outgained by like 1,000 yards. So, you know, we the Colts look 
look to be always really good, and it's like really easy to pick them to win that division. But that division has been so terrible the last couple of years. Now they're going against a very good defensive team, and I know they're coming off a loss, and they're going to be back at home, and their place is going to be rocking. But seven points is way too much against a for a uh, for a for a Todd Bowles defense. I think I think you're going to I think you're going to see a very good game in this. I still think Indy wins, but not by step. What do you think, Nick? I'm going to take the Colts uh, to come back, uh, bounce back win. I don't like giving up the seven points there. That seems like a lot, and I wouldn't surprise me at all if this ended up being a push and the Colts win by exactly a touchdown, but I'm going to take the Colts. Mm. Uh, We'll give Nick extra credit if it ends up a push. I I like that prediction. (laughs) I don't know what extra credit it's going to be, but we'll figure it out if it happens. I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't that impressed. You know, even though they were in Buffalo and Buffalo has a good defense, I wasn't that impressed with the with the Colts. And it's just you know when the when the Colts picked up Andre Johnson and Frank Gore, I was underwhelmed at best. I, I just think those guys are uh, they're they're old and worn out. And Andre Johnson, you know, never. I don't know if he ever spent a full season with the Texans. He was always on the bench with the, with the um, the Arian Foster disease which is soft tissue injuries uh mm-hmm. nonetheless the jets i think the jets uh, a lot of people are underestimating the jets yeah they played the browns last week and they beat them by 21 points um and it was the browns but i think the jets have enough defense to keep themselves in this game throughout so i'm going to take the jets with that gift of seven points and maybe look for the colts to win it by at most uh, a field goal okay oh well, we got through them guys I even though I try to forget my Raiders. Um, it's always always fun without those bye weeks to get through all 16 games, but uh, we did it, and uh, that's all we have for you here at the Dynasty Pulse today. Uh, I want to thank our amazing guest, the birthday boy, Dan Burgundy, for stopping by, and, of course, Bruce Kimbo, Bruce Kimbro, excuse me, our mock draft monarch and IDP Superman. Um and of course, always great to have Chuck back in the fold as the season goes, and we can win and lose money. So, uh, thank you, Chuck, for joining us. Have a good My week. Pleasure, we'll talk Josh. to you next week. Okay, uh, Nick, any closing thoughts there? Uh, no, just want to wish everybody good luck in week two. All right, this has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. He's Nick Wagner. Um, as of yet, I do not have a guest for next week, but you can rest assured if we have one, they will be awesome. Thank you very much and have a great week, folks.